Part One of Theaetetus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Theaetetus by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. Persons of the dialogue: Socrates, Theodorus, Theaetetus. Euclid and Terpsion meet in front of Euclid's house in Megara. They enter the house, and the dialogue is read to them by a servant. Euclid, have you only just arrived from the country, Terpsion? Terpsion, no, I came some time ago, and I have been in the Agora looking for you, and wondering that I could not find you. Euclid, but I was not in the city. Terpsion, where then? Euclid. As I was going down to the harbour, I met Theaetetus. He was being carried up to Athens from the army at Corinth. Terpsion. Was he alive or dead? Euclid. He was scarcely alive, for he has been badly wounded, but he was suffering even more from the sickness which has broken out in the army. Terpsion. The dysentery, you mean? Euclid. Yes. Terpsion. Alas, what a loss he will be. Euclid. Yes, Terpsion, he is a noble fellow. Only today I heard some people highly praising his behavior in this very battle. Terpsion. No wonder, I should rather be surprised at hearing anything else of him. But why did he go on instead of stopping at Megara? Euclid. He wanted to get home. Although I entreated and advised him to remain, he would not listen to me. So I set him on his way, and turned back, and then I remembered what Socrates had said of him, and thought how remarkably this, like all his predictions, had been fulfilled. I believe that he had seen him a little before his own death, when Theaetetus was a youth, and he had a memorable conversation with him, which he repeated to me when I came to Athens. He was full of admiration of his genius, and said, that he would most certainly be a great man if he lived. Terpsion. The prophecy has certainly been fulfilled, but what was the conversation? Can you tell me? Euclid. No, indeed, not offhand, but I took notes of it as soon as I got home. These I filled up from memory, writing them out at leisure, and whenever I went to Athens I asked Socrates about any point which I had forgotten, and on my return I made corrections. Thus I have nearly the whole conversation written down. Terpsion. I remember you told me, and I have always been intending to ask you to show me the writing, but have put off doing so, and now why should we not read it through? Having just come from the country, I should greatly like to rest. Euclid. I too shall be very glad of a rest, for I went with Theaetetus as far as Arinium. Let us go in, then, and, while we are reposing, the servant shall read to us. Terpsion. Very good. Euclid. Here is the roll, Terpsion. I may observe that I have introduced Socrates, not as narrating to me, but as actually conversing with the persons whom he mentioned. These were Theodorus, the geometrician, of Cyrene, and Theaetetus. I have omitted, for the sake of convenience, the interlocutory words, I said, I remarked, 
which he used when he spoke of himself and again he agreed or disagreed in the answer lest the repetition of them should be troublesome terpsion quite right euclid euclid and now boy you may take the roll and read euclid's servant reads socrates if i cared enough about the cyrenians theodorus i would ask you whether there are any rising geometricians or philosophers in that part of the world but i am more interested in our own athenian youth and i would rather know who among them are likely to do well i observe them as far as i can myself and i inquire of any one whom they follow and i see that a great many of them follow you in which they are quite right considering your eminence in geometry and in other ways tell me then if you have met with any one who is good for anything theodorus yes socrates i have become acquainted with one very remarkable athenian youth whom i commend to you as well worthy of your attention if he had been a beauty i should have been afraid to praise him lest you should suppose that i was in love with him but he is no beauty and you must not be offended if i say that he is very like you for he has a snub nose and projecting eyes although these features are less marked in him than in you seeing then that he has no personal attractions i may freely say that in all my acquaintance which is very large i never knew any one who was his equal in natural gifts for he has a quickness of apprehension which is almost unrivalled and he is exceedingly gentle and also the most courageous of men there is a union of qualities in him such as i have never seen in any other and should scarcely have thought possible for those who like him have quick and ready and retentive wits have generally also quick tempers they are ships without ballast and go darting about and are mad rather than courageous and the steadier sort when they have to face study prove stupid and cannot remember whereas he moves surely and smoothly and successfully in the path of knowledge and inquiry and he is full of gentleness flowing on silently like a river of oil at his age it is wonderful socrates that is good news whose son is he theodorus the name of his father i have forgotten but the youth himself is the middle one of those who are approaching us he and his companions have been anointing themselves in the outer court and now they seem to have finished and are coming towards us look and see whether you know him socrates i know the youth but i do not know his name he is the son of euphronius the sunian who was himself an eminent man and such another as his son is according to your account of him i believe that he left a considerable fortune theodorus theetetus socrates is his name but i rather think that the property disappeared in the hands of trustees notwithstanding which he is wonderfully liberal socrates he must be a fine fellow tell him to come and sit by me theodorus i will come hither theetetus and sit by socrates socrates by all means theetetus in order that i may see the reflection of myself in your face for theodorus says that we are alike and yet if each of us held in his hands a lyre and he said that they were tuned alike should we at once take his word 
or should we ask whether he who said so was or was not a musician theaetetus we should ask socrates and if we found that he was we should take his word and if not not theaetetus true socrates and if this supposed likeness of our faces is a matter of any interest to us we should inquire whether he who says that we are alike is a painter or not theaetetus certainly we should socrates and is theodorus a painter theaetetus i never heard that he was socrates is he a geometrician theaetetus of course he is socrates socrates and is he an astronomer and calculator and musician and in general an educated man theaetetus i think so socrates if then he remarks on a similarity in our persons either by way of praise or blame there is no particular reason why we should attend to him theaetetus i should say not socrates but if he praises the virtue or wisdom which are the mental endowments of either of us then he who hears the praises will naturally desire to examine him who is praised and he again should be willing to exhibit himself theaetetus very true socrates socrates then now is the time my dear theaetetus for me to examine and for you to exhibit since although theodorus has praised many a citizen and stranger in my hearing never did i hear him praise any one as he has been praising you theaetetus i am glad to hear it socrates but what if he was only in jest socrates nay theodorus is not given to jesting and i cannot allow you to retract your consent on any such pretense as that if you do he will have to swear to his words and we are perfectly sure that no one will be found to impugn him do not be shy then but stand to your word theaetetus i suppose i must if you wish it socrates in the first place i should like to ask what you learn of theodorus something of geometry perhaps theaetetus yes socrates and astronomy and harmony and calculation theaetetus i do my best socrates yes my boy and so do i and my desire is to learn of him or of anybody who seems to understand these things and i get on pretty well in general but there is a little difficulty which i want you and the company to aid me in investigating will you answer me a question is not learning growing wiser about that which you learn theaetetus of course socrates and by wisdom the wise are wise theaetetus yes socrates and is that different in any way from knowledge theaetetus what socrates wisdom are not men wise in that which they know theaetetus certainly they are socrates then wisdom and knowledge are the same theaetetus yes socrates herein lies the difficulty which i can never solve to my satisfaction what is knowledge can we answer that question what say you which of us will speak first whoever misses shall sit down as at a game of ball and shall be donkey as the boys say 
he who lasts out his competitors in the game without missing shall be our king and shall have the right of putting to us any questions which he pleases why is there no reply i hope theodorus that i am not betrayed into rudeness by my love of conversation i only want to make us talk and be friendly and sociable theodorus the reverse of rudeness socrates but i would rather that you would ask one of the young fellows for the truth is that i am unused to your game of question and answer and i am too old to learn the young will be more suitable and they will improve more than i shall for youth is always able to improve and so having made a beginning with theaetetus i would advise you to go on with him and not let him off socrates do you hear theaetetus what theodorus says the philosopher whom you would not like to disobey and whose word ought to be a command to a young man bids me interrogate you take courage then and nobly say what you think that knowledge is theaetetus well socrates i will answer as you and he bid me and if i make a mistake you will doubtless correct me socrates we will if we can theaetetus then i think that the sciences which i learned from theodorus geometry and those which you just now mentioned are knowledge and i would include the art of the cobbler and other craftsmen these each and all of them are knowledge socrates too much theaetetus too much the nobility and liberality of your nature make you give many and diverse things when i am asking for one simple thing theaetetus what do you mean socrates socrates perhaps nothing i will endeavour however to explain what i believe to be my meaning when you speak of cobbling you mean the art or science of making shoes theaetetus just so socrates and when you speak of carpentering you mean the art of making wooden implements theaetetus i do socrates in both cases you define the subject matter of each of the two arts theaetetus true socrates but that theaetetus was not the point of my question we wanted to know not the subjects nor yet the number of the arts or sciences for we were not going to count them but we wanted to know the nature of knowledge in the abstract am i not right theaetetus perfectly right socrates let me offer an illustration suppose that a person were to ask about some very trivial and obvious thing for example what is clay and we were to reply that there is a clay of potters there is a clay of oven makers there is a clay of brick makers would not the answer be ridiculous theaetetus truly socrates in the first place there would be an absurdity in assuming that he who asked the question would understand from our answer the nature of clay merely because we added of the image makers or of any other workers how can a man understand the name of anything when he does not know the nature of it theaetetus he cannot socrates then he who does not know what science or knowledge is has no knowledge of the art or science of making shoes theaetetus none socrates nor of any other science theaetetus no socrates and when a man is asked what science or knowledge is 
to give an answer the name of some art or science is ridiculous for the question is what is knowledge and he replies a knowledge of this or that theaetetus true socrates moreover he might answer shortly and simply but he makes an enormous circuit for example when asked about the clay he might have said simply that clay is moistened earth what sort of clay is not to the point theaetetus yes socrates there is no difficulty as you put the question you mean if i am not mistaken something like what occurred to me and to my friend here your namesake socrates in a recent discussion socrates what was that theaetetus theaetetus theodorus was writing out for us something about roots such as the roots of three or five showing that they are incommensurable by the unit he selected other examples up to seventeen there he stopped now as there are innumerable roots the notion occurred to us of attempting to include them all under one name or class socrates and did you find such a class theaetetus i think that we did but i should like to have your opinion socrates let me hear theaetetus we divided all numbers into two classes those which are made up of equal factors multiplying into one another which we compared to square figures and called square or equilateral numbers that was one class socrates very good theaetetus the intermediate numbers such as three and five and every other number which is made up of unequal factors either of a greater multiplied by a less or of a less multiplied by a greater and when regarded as a figure is contained in unequal sides all these we compared to oblong figures and called them oblong numbers socrates capital and what followed theaetetus the lines or sides which have for their squares the equilateral plane numbers were called by us lengths or magnitudes and the lines which are the roots of or whose squares are equal to the oblong numbers were called powers or roots the reason of this latter name being that they are commensurable with the former i e with the so-called lengths or magnitudes not in linear measurement but in the value of the superficial content of their squares and the same about solids socrates excellent my boys i think that you fully justify the praises of theodorus and that he will not be found guilty of false witness theaetetus but i am unable socrates to give you a similar answer about knowledge which is what you appear to want and therefore theodorus is a deceiver after all socrates well but if someone were to praise you for running and to say that he never met your equal among boys and afterwards you were beaten in a race by a grown-up man who was a great runner would the praise be any the less true theaetetus certainly not socrates and is the discovery of the nature of knowledge so small a matter as i just now said is it not one which would task the powers of men perfect in every way theaetetus by heaven they should be the top of all perfection socrates well then be of good cheer do not say that theodorus was mistaken about you but do your best to ascertain the true nature of knowledge as well as of other things 
Theaetetus. I am eager enough, Socrates, if that would bring to light the truth. Socrates. Come, you made a good beginning just now. Let your own answer about roots be your model, and as you comprehended them all in one class, try and bring the many sorts of knowledge under one definition. Theaetetus. I can assure you, Socrates, that I have tried very often when the report of questions asked by you was brought to me, but I can neither persuade myself that I have a satisfactory answer to give, nor hear of any one who answers as you would have him, and I cannot shake off a feeling of anxiety. Socrates. These are the pangs of labor, my dear Theaetetus. You have something within you which you are bringing to the birth. Theaetetus. I do not know, Socrates. I only say what I feel. Socrates. And have you never heard, simpleton, that I am the son of a midwife, brave and burly, whose name was Benarete? Theaetetus. Yes, I have. Socrates. And that I myself practice midwifery? Theaetetus. No, never. Socrates. Let me tell you that I do, though, my friend but you must not reveal the secret, as the world in general have not found me out, and therefore they only say of me that I am the strangest of mortals, and drive men to their wit's end. Did you ever hear that too? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. Shall I tell you the reason? Theaetetus. By all means. Socrates. Bear in mind the whole business of the midwives, and then you will see my meaning better. No woman, as you are probably aware, who is still able to conceive and bear, attends other women, but only those who are past bearing. Theaetetus. Yes, I know. Socrates. The reason of this is said to be that Artemis, the goddess of childbirth, is not a mother, and she honors those who are like herself. But she could not allow the barren to be midwives, because human nature cannot know the mystery of an art without experience, and therefore, she assigned this office to those who are too old to bear. Theaetetus. I dare say. Socrates. And I dare say too, or rather I am absolutely certain that the midwives know better than others who is pregnant and who is not. Theaetetus. Very true. Socrates. And by the use of potions and incantations they are able to arouse the pangs and to soothe them at will. They can make those bear who have a difficulty in bearing, and, if they think fit, they can smother the embryo in the womb. Theaetetus. They can. Socrates. Did you ever remark that they are also most cunning matchmakers, and have a thorough knowledge of what unions are likely to produce a brave brood? Theaetetus. No, never. Socrates. Then let me tell you that this is their greatest pride more than cutting the umbilical cord, and, if you reflect, you will see that the same art which cultivates and gathers in the fruits of the earth will be most likely to know in what soils the several plants or seeds should be deposited. Theaetetus. Yes, the same art. Socrates. And do you suppose that with women the case is otherwise? Theaetetus. I should think not. Socrates. Certainly not but midwives are respectable women who have a character to lose, 
and they avoid this department of their profession because they are afraid of being called procuresses which is a name given to those who join together man and woman in an unlawful and unscientific way and yet the true midwife is also the true and only matchmaker theaetetus clearly socrates such are the midwives whose task is a very important one but not so important as mine for women do not bring into the world at one time real children and at another time counterfeits which are with difficulty distinguished from them if they did then the discernment of the true and false birth would be the crowning achievement of the art of midwifery you would think so theaetetus indeed i should socrates well my art of midwifery is in most respects like theirs but differs in that i attend men and not women and i look after their souls when they are in labour and not after their bodies and the triumph of my art is in thoroughly examining whether the thought which the mind of the young man brings forth is a false idol or a noble and true birth and like the midwives i am barren and the reproach which is often made against me that i ask questions of others and have not the wit to answer them myself is very just the reason is that the god compels me to be a midwife but does not allow me to bring forth and therefore i am not myself at all wise nor have i anything to show which is the invention or birth of my own soul but those who converse with me profit some of them appear dull enough at first but afterwards as our acquaintance ripens if the god is gracious to them they all make astonishing progress and this in the opinion of others as well as in their own it is quite clear that they never learned anything from me the many fine discoveries to which they cling are of their own making but to me and the god they owe their delivery and the proof of my words is that many of them in their ignorance either in their self-conceit despising me or falling under the influence of others have gone away too soon and have not only lost the children of whom i had previously delivered them by an ill bringing up but have stifled whatever else they had in them by evil communications being fonder of lies and shams than of the truth and they have at last ended by seeing themselves as others see them to be great fools aristides the son of lysimachus is one of them and there are many others the truants often return to me and beg that i would consort with them again they are ready to go to me on their knees and then if my familiar allows which is not always the case i receive them and they begin to grow again dire are the pangs which my art is able to arouse and to allay in those who consort with me just like the pangs of women in childbirth night and day they are full of perplexity and travail which is even worse than that of the women so much for them and there are others theaetetus who come to me apparently having nothing in them and as i know that they have no need of my art i coax them into marrying some one and by the grace of god i can generally tell who is likely to do them good many of them i have given away to prodicus and many to other inspired sages i tell you this long story friend theaetetus because i suspect as indeed you seem to think yourself that you are in labour great with some conception come then to me 
who am a midwife's son and myself a midwife and do your best to answer the questions which i will ask you and if i abstract and expose your first-born because i discover upon inspection that the conception which you have formed is a vain shadow do not quarrel with me on that account as the manner of women is when their first children are taken from them for i have actually known some who were ready to bite me when i deprived them of a darling folly they did not perceive that i acted from good will not knowing that no god is the enemy of man that was not within the range of their ideas neither am i their enemy in all this but it would be wrong for me to admit falsehood or to stifle the truth once more then theaetetus i repeat my old question what is knowledge and do not say that you cannot tell but quit yourself like a man and by the help of god you will be able to tell theaetetus at any rate socrates after such an exhortation i should be ashamed of not trying to do my best now he who knows perceives what he knows and as far as i can see at present knowledge is perception socrates bravely said boy that is the way in which you should express your opinion and now let us examine together this conception of yours and see whether it is a true birth or a mere windig you say that knowledge is perception theaetetus yes socrates well you have delivered yourself of a very important doctrine about knowledge it is indeed the opinion of protagoras who has another way of expressing it man he says is the measure of all things of the existence of things that are and of the non-existence of things that are not you have read him theaetetus oh yes again and again socrates does he not say that things are to you such as they appear to you and to me such as they appear to me and that you and i are men theaetetus yes he says so socrates a wise man is not likely to talk nonsense let us try to understand him the same wind is blowing and yet one of us may be cold and the other not or one may be slightly and the other very cold theaetetus quite true socrates now is the wind regarded not in relation to us but absolutely cold or not or are we to say with protagoras that the wind is cold to him who is cold and not to him who is not theaetetus i suppose the last socrates then it must appear so to each of them theaetetus yes socrates and appears to him means the same as he perceives theaetetus true socrates then appearing and perceiving coincide in the case of hot and cold and in similar instances for things appear or may be supposed to be to each one such as he perceives them theaetetus yes socrates then perception is always of existence and being the same as knowledge is unerring theaetetus clearly socrates in the name of the graces what an almighty wise man protagoras must have been he spoke these things in a parable to the common herd like you and me but told the truth his truth in secret to his own disciples theaetetus what do you mean socrates 
socrates i am about to speak of a high argument in which all things are said to be relative you cannot rightly call anything by any name such as great or small heavy or light for the great will be small and the heavy light there is no single thing or quality but out of motion and change and admixture all things are becoming relatively to one another which becoming is by us incorrectly called being but is really becoming for nothing ever is but all things are becoming summon all philosophers protagoras heraclitus empedocles and the rest of them one after another and with the exception of parmenides they will agree with you in this summon the great masters of either kind of poetry epicharmus the prince of comedy and homer of tragedy when the latter sings of ocean whence sprang the gods and mother tethys does he not mean that all things are the offspring of flux and motion theaetetus i think so socrates and who could take up arms against such a great army having homer for its general and not appear ridiculous theaetetus who indeed socrates socrates yes theaetetus and there are plenty of other proofs which will show that motion is the source of what is called being and becoming and inactivity of not being and destruction for fire and warmth which are supposed to be the parent and guardian of all other things are born of movement and of friction which is a kind of motion is not this the origin of fire theaetetus it is socrates and the race of animals is generated in the same way theaetetus certainly socrates and is not the bodily habit spoiled by rest and idleness but preserved for a long time by motion and exercise theaetetus true socrates and what of the mental habit is not the soul informed and improved and preserved by study and attention which are motions but when at rest which in the soul only means want of attention and study is uninformed and speedily forgets whatever she has learned theaetetus true socrates then motion is a good and rest an evil to the soul as well as to the body theaetetus clearly socrates i may add that breathless calm stillness and the like waste and impair while wind and storm preserve and the palmary argument of all which i strongly urge is the golden chain in homer by which he means the sun thereby indicating that so long as the sun and the heavens go round in their orbits all things human and divine are and are preserved but if they were chained up and their motion ceased then all things would be destroyed and as the saying is turned upside down theaetetus i believe socrates that you have truly explained his meaning socrates then now apply his doctrine to perception my good friend and first of all to vision that which you call white colour is not in your eyes and is not a distinct thing which exists out of them and you must not assign any place to it for if it had position it would be and be at rest and there would be no process of becoming theaetetus then what is colour socrates let us carry out the principle which has just been affirmed 
that nothing is self-existent and then we shall see that white black and every other color arises out of the eye meeting the appropriate motion and that what we call a color is in each case neither the active nor the passive element but something which passes between them and is peculiar to each percipient are you quite certain that the several colors appear to a dog or to any animal whatever as they appear to you theaetetus far from it socrates or that anything appears the same to you as to another man are you so profoundly convinced of this rather would it not be true that it never appears exactly the same to you because you are never exactly the same theaetetus the latter socrates and if that with which i compare myself in size or which i apprehend by touch were great or white or hot it could not become different by mere contact with another unless it actually changed nor again if the comparing or apprehending subject were great or white or hot could this when unchanged from within become changed by any approximation or affection of any other thing the fact is that in our ordinary way of speaking we allow ourselves to be driven into most ridiculous and wonderful contradictions as protagoras and all who take his line of argument would remark theaetetus how and of what sort do you mean socrates a little instance will sufficiently explain my meaning here are six dice which are more by a half when compared with four and fewer by a half than twelve they are more and also fewer how can you or any one maintain the contrary theaetetus very true socrates well then suppose that protagoras or some one asks whether anything can become greater or more if not by increasing how would you answer him theaetetus theaetetus i should say no socrates if i were to speak my mind in reference to this last question and if i were not afraid of contradicting my former answer socrates capital excellent spoken like an oracle my boy and if you reply yes there will be a case for euripides for our tongue will be unconvinced but not our mind theaetetus very true socrates the thoroughbred sophists who know all that can be known about the mind and argue only out of the superfluity of their wits would have had a regular sparring match over this and would have knocked their arguments together finely but you and i who have no professional aims only desire to see what is the mutual relation of these principles whether they are consistent with each other or not theaetetus yes that would be my desire socrates and mine too but since this is our feeling and there is plenty of time why should we not calmly and patiently review our own thoughts and thoroughly examine and see what these appearances in us really are if i am not mistaken they will be described by us as follows first that nothing can become greater or less either in number or magnitude while remaining equal to itself you would agree theaetetus yes socrates secondly that without addition or subtraction there is no increase or diminution of anything but only equality theaetetus quite true socrates thirdly 
that what was not before cannot be afterwards without becoming and having become theaetetus yes truly socrates these three axioms if i am not mistaken are fighting with one another in our minds in the case of the dice or again in such a case as this if i were to say that i who am of a certain height and taller than you may within a year without gaining or losing in height be not so tall not that i should have lost but that you would have increased in such a case i am afterwards what i once was not and yet i have not become for i could not have become without becoming neither could i have become less without losing somewhat of my height and i could give you ten thousand examples of similar contradictions if we admit them at all i believe that you follow me theaetetus for i suspect that you have thought of these questions before now theaetetus yes socrates and i am amazed when i think of them by the gods i am and i want to know what on earth they mean and there are times when my head quite swims with the contemplation of them socrates i see my dear theaetetus that theodorus had a true insight into your nature when he said that you were a philosopher for wonder is the feeling of a philosopher and philosophy begins in wonder he was not a bad genealogist who said that iris the messenger of heaven is the child of thaumus wonder but do you begin to see what is the explanation of this perplexity on the hypothesis which we attribute to protagoras theaetetus not as yet socrates then you will be obliged to me if i help you to unearth the hidden truth of a famous man or school theaetetus to be sure i shall be very much obliged end of part one of theaetetus recording in memory of mitchell edwards